If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites according to a recent Indeed survey. With Indeed, everything hiring is all in one place and it makes it so easy. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences each day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. The more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join the more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Indeed.com slash podcast. Need to hire? You need Indeed. started Aye. it has begun mm. it's going to be hard to get the energy levels up in such comfy seats man. it really is <laughs> just two lads with a couple of beers a couple of lads a couple of couches like little lads oh yeah yeah and it's great to be British it's great to be British David's not here this week David is not here he had, he had a, a horrible garden accident yeah he tried to trim his hair with a strimmer yep it's, it's pretty grim <laughs> uh, David is on family duties uh, A little bit of a medical situation And you know, best wishes Sure it'll be fine um, But we are going to postpone The Public Enemy uh, episode And we decided this is probably a pretty good way To advertise the sort of things you get If you're a subscriber So we do a thing called Split 7 Inches which is not about seven inches, so please stop sending in recommendations of great split seven inch records. Maybe one day, just to be fucking awkward, we will do a split seven inch, split seven inch, but <laughs> the split seven inch is merely a metaphor for the fact that we each take a turn to have our, you know, our bit on a random topic, ideally suggested by you folks. This week we've done one that was suggested and one of our own. And if you subscribe to any level, whether it's regular, whether it's a one-off, whether it's 1,000 guineas or uh, one single penny, uh, you will get access to the bonus material. And it tends to be a bit more off the cuff, maybe slightly funnier, a lot less notes <laughs> on my part. So <laughs> None on my part, as, as it would happen today. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if you feel like paying something to our podcast, which would be really greatly appreciated because it will let us make it better. And it'll let us try some other stuff out, maybe some video stuff at some point. Um, we would love to be able to devote more time to it and you guys contributing will allow us to devote more time to it and to get better and research it better, <laughs> which yeah. will be handy. Um, yeah, so go to unsungpod.net forward slash donate and name your price or prices. Mm -hmm. And as a result, you will get something like this. So the first of our two splits of an inches tonight is... Uh, was suggested to us by, I think it was Ricky again, wasn't it? Ricky Stewart. So he he doesn't know it yet because it's not been out, but um, <laughs> has, he, he suggested a topic for us, Plus 7-inch, which we recorded recently, and uh, he never he has now suggested, well, he suggested more than one. Yeah, Ricky actually put a few yeah. good ones in, a, in mm. one thread, and it was like, I don't know what one to pick, so we're, we're thinking, oh, this is a good opportunity to take another one. So. Yeah, so not only is he getting private glory, but he's now getting public glory too. Exactly. And... Other folks that have suggested them, we add them all to a big list and we do go back through them and they will get pulled out of the hat at one point, much yep. like the suggestions for the Nexus in the normal episodes. Uh, please send us more of them. Got a couple of howlers this week, by the way, Mark. I'll oh. tell you after we've oh, recorded. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're in the tub. Yeah, so we have been challenged to name uh, the best three in a row. The best trifecta. Trifecta of good records by artists, what we like in it. Yeah. 
No, that's not R. Kelly. <laughs> there's no, there's not even one good R. Kelly album, frankly. But, yeah. R. Kelly's probably had three and a row of a lot of things. Yeah, uh, not good albums though. Yeah. Oh dear, oh dear. It's going to be jail sentences soon, that's for sure. <laughs> no complaints here. Uh, so, Mark, did you have any that immediately jumped to mind? Yeah, um, this has come up a few times in various different places. I think Video Six did a suggestion on this like about a year ago. On their Facebook page And it's, I think it's been in crying And all that kind of shit I'm pretty sure it's been a lot of places um, So I had I did have one answer pre-ready for this Is it um, Prince? It's not Prince <laughs> He is on the list though But it's not Prince It's Jimmy World Ah So Clarity and Bleed American and then Future's three really strong, really good records. Is Future's good? Future's is great, yeah. I kind of got off the train after Bleed American. I mean, Bleed American... Uh, is a great record, but I don't know why there was just something. And maybe it was their passage into like the mainstream. Maybe they, I'm not. I'm not sure. I just didn't feel compelled to revisit them after that. So the, the lead single off of Futures was Work, which you may have heard, um, and it's kind of sunnier again than um, the middle. That's probably why then. Um, but the album's got a lot of really dark songs on it as well. The middle's pretty damn sunny. I know. It starts off with a song called Futures, which is about, uh, it's a a political song, more or less, and then it it goes into some really dark territory. It's got uh, a song called Kill, which has got a cracking chorus, Pain as well, which has also got a great (laughs) chorus. I know, it's just like single words, man. the only scary ones that Jimmy World know. And then Pain is followed by a song called Drugs Are Me, which is like this sort of slow, meditative, really airy, kind of sparse song about the end of a relationship because of drugs. And it has my favourite, has my favourite Jimmy World song on it called Twenty Three, which is seven minutes long and it's just unbelievable. It's not as good as the song Twenty Three by Blonde Redhead, though. No, I don't know about that. <laughs> And then before Blade American, they had Clarity, which is like well known for being like the big breakthrough record to fans because it was like the first time people had ever really heard them properly in the mainstream. So I think the big song from that was pretty much Lucky Denver Mint. may have heard yeah but it didn't break through the same way or in and like the same way as the no but this was like their first this was like their major label debut almost um and it's got a lot it's it's definitely much more albumy if if that makes sense can you can you check i'm right by the way in the mm -hmm. chronology i'm pretty sure did um bleed american come out in 2001 it did yeah because they had to change the name didn't they because the single became salt sweat sugar instead of bleed america because of the because of 9-11 yeah yeah um because I remember, I remember seeing. Oh, that's a long time ago. Now. Yeah, eighteen years ago. <laughs> the war. I mean, the war's still going. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's about to start again, uh, in the country next door. Uh, but no clarity is. It's a lot more. Uh, it's definitely a lot more of a musical album, I would say. But fans fucking love that record. They toured twenty years of that a few years ago, and it's it's dynamite. It's, it's probably probably good album. Uh, and then with Americans with American it has it has singles on it, uh, and it has lots of really great album tracks as well. And as I said, futures. Yeah, it's got praise chorus on it. Yeah. You can't really mess with that. Are you gonna waste your time? Gotta make a move or you'll miss out. It's got cautioners, it's got um Hear You Me, which is definitely overplayed now, I think. Um, but it's, it's still a lovely song and uh get it faster. That's one of the things I found really interesting about that record is that's the first time I'd ever done anything which was kind of 
minor key, a lot darker sounding, mm-hmm. a bit more grindy almost. Not grindy as in grindcore, but you know, like grungy. <laughs> Jimmy World's grindy, gr- grungy, song. grungy, I guess. <laughs> And then you explore that a bit more on That's, that's well. like when you go to a restaurant and you ask for something spicy and it's literally got no spice in it yeah. whatsoever. You're like, yeah, this is our spicy. This has got the wee drawn of the chilli next time. Like, Fuck off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can't imagine. Do you know what? It's interesting. I interviewed, uh, I interviewed Tom, uh, the, the, uh, the original singer of Jimmy World, who then went on to only do occasional vocals and is ostensibly the lead guitar player now. And he was talking about how he fucking loves death metal. He's a massive death metal fan. I try to convince him to come back to uh, Lewis's studio where we used to record a podcast to do some death metal jams, but he had to play a show that night in the Barris, sadly. No, um, it's always getting in the road, isn't it? Yeah, as I. But he's he was talking about like enslaved and stuff like that, and like properly like proper death metal bands. I was like, fuck, this is so cool. So you should go check out that interview. That's like we never even mentioned it during the, the Weezer episode, but apparently, uh, Kerry King says. The best shredder he's ever sat next to was Rivers Como. I can believe that, man. I think I can play. <laughs> yeah, he said they were backstage at a festival and just all hanging out. And he said, and Rivers started shredding on this little amp. And he said it was it like jaw dropping how good he was. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> what right? happens to that kind of talent? You just write pop songs? Like <laughs> so strange. Uh, yeah, so, well, I mean, I've got quite a few. Uh, I have a few more, so. Uh, a really obvious one for me because they were like my formative band. I liked a lot of music when I was younger. Big Cindy Loper fan. Uh, big fan of like Scottish classic outfit called Big Country. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I remember once for. Uh, a school, I don't know what you'd call it, like open day thing. Mm-hmm. So every single kid in my school, apart from me, went to uh, another high school. I was the only kid, and this tells you a lot about my personality, <laughs> right? I was the only kid that went to the high school I went to from my primary, okay? But it meant that when they were all up visiting in the open day, their new school, I was just by myself in the school. <laughs> <laughs> Get the tiny violins out for this one, Chris. <laughs> I'll put in some like really sweet and sad music. Uh, so that day I got lumped in with the younger year groups and it was the end of term. So everybody's doing their end of term games shit. And for the music class, they were like, okay, kids, everybody bring in a cassette of music you really like. And everybody was bringing in this like super wet, you know, well, at that point, <laughs> late 80s music. <laughs> um, and the, I rocked up with a slippery wind wet. <laughs> Which it turned out was too edgy for too the, edgy too edgy for the primary six music class. <laughs> Holy <laughs> shit! Gave me about half a tune. Are you going to drop a Bon Jovi trifecta on us here? I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but after dabbling in that, uh, the band that really set me off uh, in a lot of ways was Nirvana. Mm. And I mean, more than just a trifecta. I think Nirvana. Their their four official releases during Kurt's lifetime were excellent. Uh, even in Cesticide, uh, albeit it's a collection of B-sides and rarities, it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. And some of the tracks on it, Aneurysm, Dive, Molly's Lips, Son of a Gun. Slover's on that as well, right? Slover. Slover. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah, So many tracks in that are iconic Nirvana songs, so it's, it's far from a throwaway issue. So it's starting with Bleach, which is a really great record. Uh, never mind, obviously, life-changing record for a lot of people, especially myself, Incesticide, and then In Utero. Four fucking excellent albums. I'm not saying there aren't points on them that dip slightly, but overall, absolutely legendary albums, and I think that's nothing to sniff at. So they're, they're a really obvious one. I don't really... Everybody's heard Nirvana, so I don't really want to spend too much time on them. Um... A couple of ones that we've covered in the past. One that really stuck out was Converge. For me, Converge, uh, going through Jane Doe. To You Feel Me, to No Heroes is really, really good. And I would, I would add Axe to Fall as well for another four. 
I, I love that album. My favourite thought- Converge album. Yeah, I probably listen to that more than No Heroes at least. Uh, so I think they also have a really, really strong period. They've had really good stuff since. Um, people are kind of split on the last album a wee bit. Uh, but those records, it's a really, really strong run. In the same category as that, I was thinking about Dillinger's Escape Plan, Calculate Infinity, Miss Machine and Ironworks. I think that's a really good time for it. I, I, I think Ironworks is the, the record that got me into the band. Obviously Greg came in and Miss Machine. There's a, a lot of really good songs in that too and Calculate Infinity is Calculate Infinity, which is like a seminal record for that kind of music. Yeah, I think for me they've struggled to make a bad record but I know a lot of people disagree with that because a lot of people don't like the older than your stuff because it's a lot more straight laced. By a lot of people do you mean me? Most people. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I would be one of those people. I I don't like a lot of Dillinger Escape Plan stuff. I think Calculating Infinity is stone cold killer. Uh, Definitely one day we'll be getting foisted forward into the the discography Um, and I, I love Running Board EP and the pattern EP after it. I feel when Greg came in, they became a little bit of a sort of, I don't know, a little bit hipster, a little bit like Greg's style, that wannabe pattern thing. It, it, it didn't really work for you. Miss Machine I had. Uh, and yeah, there's a couple of good songs in it, but I'm not sure. I just don't think it's a special, it's the early stuff. I think it's, uh, it's really interesting because uh, having, having spoken to me on a number of occasions, he always says that the biggest thing for him and Dylan Just Gate Palm was to do the next thing, which nobody expected them to do. And sometimes I mean going super poppy and doing something that was a bit different. Apparently spent yeah. 10 grand buying themselves onto the System of a Down tour and, yeah. and bankrupted themselves, but fortunately generated a whole bunch of interest off the back of it that allowed them to pay it back. It's a calculated risk. Yeah. Buying onto tours. I, I'm pretty sure every band you've loved done it. Uh, no, I'm, no, I don't think that's the case, actually. I think it, it depends on the bands. Um, some bands are actually quite against it. I think to their credit, as far as I'm aware, maybe not, it's not the case anymore, I'd, because they're so big but for a long time Queens of the Stone Age invited their guests on tour and a lot of bands still maintain that they invite the guests on tour rather than forcing them or forcing people to bid on it yeah I think you're uh, right there seems like a decent time though now that we're talking about moshing and, and riffs to cutting a wee bit of Dave Weaver uh, he's just uh, fucking air dropped in his comment now so. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay well let's cut to that and then we'll see what we think alright so Three albums in a row by an artist who, and they're all fucking amazing. I mean, first of all, Korn did, their first four albums are fucking amazing. So, Korn, that's in the bank. Um, Deftones, I mean, first Deftones record is very good, but you'd have to say, Around the Fur, White Pony, and then Deftones. That's that's three fucking 10 out of 10s right there. I mean, my God, doesn't get better than that. And then Saturday Night Wrist is a total shiter, to be honest. Um, I mean, has Bjork ever done a shit album? Not really. Um, I think her late 90s output is pretty much unbeatable. Um, yeah. Let me let me have a further think. More coming. I don't want to say too much because he's like not here. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's apparently jogging down the, <laughs> the middle of a motorway from the sounds of that message. I mean, corn is like classically what is something. Did, did you think for a say, minute David like, wasn't going to say corn? <laughs> uh, did you think for a minute a day goes by that David doesn't nominate corn for something? <laughs> I can kind of see his point. I mean, if you if if you've got like a nostalgic attachment, like in the music, the first Corn album was a really good representation of new metal, and it was doing something that nobody was really doing at that time. Really yeah. weird sound. I mean, I'm I, I'm being wide, but actually, the the first three, to be fair, all had a place in my heart. Mm. I don't go with them to number four, but the first three, yeah, Life Is Peachy was still by far the best Corn album for me. I thought it was really really good.
Issues was the one that I got into. I think I probably mentioned this in the new metal mixtape. So I think it's a a decent record. Like you know, when you get a record as a wee guy, right, and and you're like so hyped up for it because you've heard that a couple of the good songs. You're like, fuck, I really want to hear that, and then you hear it, and you're like, you're you're pure willing yourself to love it, but it's just <laughs> not got the songs on it. I mean, you go, oh yes, it was totally that. Like half good, half rubbish, but the rest pretty well. Four the leaders too long, I think. Oh, it's too long, definitely. Yeah. But the, the, if you were taking away all the kind of filler, it would still be a cracking album. Pretty ambitious. Yeah, yeah very ambitious actually. But at the same time, it is corn. And their sheer fucking naffness <laughs> overrules all that. On the other hand, Deftones is really good shit. Yeah. That yeah. first record, even though it's got a dead weird recording, is still pretty great. not been able to verify it right but I heard that that first Deftones record sat about for nearly seven years before Maverick released it really it may be bollocks but I'm sure they'd recorded it and were pitching it and pitching it and couldn't get anyone to put it out and it was Maverick when did it come out what year was it I can't remember if that's total nonsense then maybe I've just picked something up wrong but it's that's, that would be late 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 80s right when they wrote that mm, I don't know what year that was released 96 yeah it? so it would have been like it seems unlikely to be honest Yeah it does seem unlikely Sonically anyway Maybe I'll cut that out of his bollocks uh, I should definitely keep it in of his bollocks Because <laughs> um, uh, uh, if it's true Then it means they're like a proper fucking progenitors of the metal <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean you can't uh, Around the first grade It's not my favourite Deftones record But it, it was so significant at the time But I mean White Pony man White Pony is just one of the best records of the 90s. And the early 2000, 2001 it came out. Shit. <laughs> well, it's so good that it's still one of the best records of the 90s. It is the untouchable. <laughs> yeah, it's a gift that keeps on giving, I think. Yeah, that's... It still sounds fresh. Even the um, secret track on that, is it the boys? Oh, boys. And I can't remember. Sons. Um Secret track alone is just fantastic. Deftones had that weird thing where their secret tracks were extremely, extremely good as well. Have you ever got one of their collections of rarities and that where all the secret tracks are grouped together, man? Mm. They're fantastic. If we're talking about like new metal bands, right? Rage Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine is a really, really good show because the first three records by Rage were tremendous. And then Renegade and Renegade uh, is probably their best record. Mm. Four albums in a row, which is yeah. brilliant. Um, I think this is probably controversial for some people, but I still think it sounds a bit timeless. I don't think they sound that dated sonically, maybe lyrically. No, I think, I th- I think there's something um, to that. I think uh, also because we've been doing Public Enemy, it really made me realise what an influence they took from hip hop, like mm-hmm. classic hip hop, and you know, uh, transcribing it for a live band. That, yeah, that really sunk in when I was listening to you know, Fear of a Black Planet, and even like. Um, it takes a nation of millions mm-hmm. Like wow These really really were You know Interpreting hip hop Via a live setup. I think it's sort of, uh, We'll probably talk we'll def- In fact we'll definitely Talk more about this When we do the Public Enemy episode But I think it's worth Probably saying at this point Like even now The Bomb Squad's production On some of those records Is, is still like Untouchable Like this mm. sounds yeah. Like nothing else Yeah the beats are Really still. explosive especially Yeah And you can totally see Where they get that from And Nine Inch Nails Like Trent Reznor's Clearly a huge Bomb Squad's Bomb Squad fan because his production technique is just as abrasive and loud, I think. Um, but yeah. Um, so that's, yeah, that's a really good shout. Bjork can't really mess with it. I suppose she's probably got a few in a row that are pretty strong. Mm. 
Yeah. I it's, that's not one that I feel qualified to, to really talk about to be honest yeah despite us having done an episode <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's like, like cramming for an exam and it's all gone it's now. all gone yeah <laughs> I honestly sorry Dave but I've not listened to Bjork since we did the episode <laughs> sorry uh, cool let's see what Dave's saying I think we might be talking about this soon but Mastodon's first three records in very different ways are unbelievable records remission just a statement of intent we are going to be unrelentingly heavy. Then, Leviathan, probably the best pure heavy metal album of the last 20 years. It's so gargantuan and full of incredible riffs, melodies, songs, just the most expansive metal record out there. And then, Blood Mountain goes even madder froggy, ridiculous, but still so, so good. Those those three records are just fucking beyond a joke. Um, I'd also maybe say Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Bad City, followed up by Hit My Butterfly, followed up by um, fucking whatever that last one was he did. <laughs> I can't even remember. But, uh, I mean, unbeatable there. Uh, but you know, I'll probably take corn out of this actually because that's four in a row that's good. That doesn't really count. Um, and issues is you know, their best one. But yeah, that, that, that's that's Dave's thoughts. At this point, I feel like <laughs> Dave's given us messages from beyond the grave almost. I, I keep wondering if we're going to hear a sudden like sound of a car horn and cr- <laughs> crashing metal, and then just it'll just be a long message of silence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hang on, oh, you sent through. I think that's a correction. Damn. Kendrick Lamar, damn. Kendrick Lamar, good kid, bad city. Then Kendrick Lamar, pimp a butterfly. And then Kendrick Lamar, damn. Three total hip hop, modern hip hop classics. Fucking hell, what a boy. Yes, David, damn. That's correct. Yeah, we were just saying that. <laughs> we were like mumbling yeah. that as you were trying to do it. Uh, so, uh, world, that's Dave's thoughts from the M8. Yeah, from the M8 <laughs> The bypass Kingston uh, Bridge I, I don't listen to Kendrick Lamar So uh, I need to defer to you guys on that one I think he's incredibly overrated Uh oh So let's let's move on <laughs> <laughs> We'll leave that one in Dave's lap then And uh, you don't need to deduct corn Because it's four, David, that's fine uh, well, we, we actually included them because it was four <laughs> uh, Mastodon Yeah, we are going to cover Mastodon soon mm. Spoiler alert And the first two records are excellent. Blood Mountain I never really got into, but I think that's more a reflection of me that when I've got a certain amount of metal that does a certain thing, I don't feel the need to keep buying it. Mm -hmm. And I think I felt like Mastodon started to repeat themselves, which I know they didn't because I know they started getting proggier, but for whatever reason, I just lost the the appetite for them. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Uh, happy oh, jogging. Well, hopefully cut back to you. can see you're recording more <laughs> <laughs> as we speak. Uh, yeah, I, another couple that had kind of popped in at my head. Silvermount Zion, I've mentioned before. Yeah, you have. Um, kind of the cousins of Godspeed You Black Emperor. Godspeed You Black Emperor are so good that they should probably be in here but a bit like our friends in my opinion in Bad Religion they keep doing this thing of doing two exceptional records and then one that doesn't quite land uh, there's a couple of bands actually that I think are quite guilty of that um, they kind of sort of get most of the way there and then don't do it uh, Silvermount Zion they had a Born Into Trouble as the Sparks Fly Upwards is a mm. truly amazing record that they did but then they followed it up with This Is Our Punk Rock which I think falls a bit short Horses in the Sky is wonderful 13 Blues for 13 Moons is wonderful And then they fall short again in the release collapse traditional. And yeah, so I, th- I think there's a clutch of bands that are just, just about there. I, one that I would say is Interpol. 
the first Interpol album, Turn On The Bright Lights, is one of my favourite albums. And Antics is a stone cold classic record, classic indie rock record. It's way too late to be this locked inside ourselves. The trouble is that you're in love with someone else. Our Love to Admire, I think, is underrated but only up until about track six or seven and then it deteriorates towards the end and it's a shame because they're at about two and a half. If Our Love to Admire had a stronger ending, they would be a very, very strong three because the first first six tracks in that record at least are, are excellent. Trail of Dead are probably a good shout. They've got a, a couple of strong runs, but again, they never quite, as I can see it, get to that equally strong third one. One that you may think controversial, Arcade Fire. Arcade Fire's first record is tremendous. I or, don't like them at all. Their first album. Sorry, not the first record, because they had an EP before that. Uh, yeah, no, I know. I know mm-hmm. you're not a big fan. Funerals is it's just a, such a fucking great record. I really don't like Neon Bible. And Neon Bible was a massive hit. Um, did really well. Keep the Car Running was big breakthrough single for them in a lot of people's eyes. I just don't get it. And they did spawn a lot of these oversized eight and nine piece indie bands that just need to fuck off, especially <laughs> when you're a sound engineer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're just like trying to fit every- oh how many channels oh my god why have we got cello in this tiny venue <laughs> can, can you guys double up on that overhead oh no you can't oh what's that you want your own monitor mix for the flute right no problem hang <laughs> on I'll get another monitor brought from another city uh, yeah but then they followed that with the suburbs which is fucking brilliant I love that album only Neon Bible had clicked with me I mean I'm not even going to say if only it was good because I know so many people that like it but if only it had clicked I would have, they would have been a big three for me what do you think about uh, Green Day uh, I don't like I, I know Green Day I like Green Day but <laughs> no, I, I know that but I don't mean like that sorry like, not the general sense but I, I, I'm i not so familiar with their canon that, that I can really comment right so their pre-breakthrough album Kerplunk mm-hmm. well actually their first two EPs combined into 1039 smoothed out slap ears is really good mm-hmm. but Kerplunk is a great album Dookie is Dookie. Mm-hmm. Dookie is the, you know, one of the albums of the 1990s. Uh, and then Insomniac is a tremendous follow-up to Dookie. Uh, a lot more... I don't even know how to, how to describe it. There's so much being said about it. Shifting away from just writing big pop singles and back to just writing really good pop punk. Mm-hmm. Um, but those three records in a row, I think, are fucking brilliant. After that, Green Day begin their long, slow transition into farce bit by bit. I mean, they have great moments, but yeah, they, they, they don't ever come back from that. I'm getting to be an old man now, and there are still moments on American Idiot which make me, which make me pump my fist in the air. It's because you're old, man. Yeah. Even now, and even that's that's with like the complete knowledge of the fact that it is all massively overplayed, all of it grotesquely so. Yeah. One of the bands that I love, uh, that I guess are more more recent, uh, are the Wonder Years, who are a six piece pop punk band. From I'm not familiar of, at all, from, but what the fuck do six people do in a pop punk band? What one sets up video games, the other one opens bags of Doritos while the four of them play. How'd you guess? I'd even need phone. So they've, they've got 
they have three guitar players, but who needs what? Wait, uh, let me let me finish. What the fuck? Let, let me finish. <laughs> but a lot of the time, the third guitar player was playing keys. Uh, this is only for when they want keys to. and two guitars and bass and vocals mm-hmm. and drums in mm-hmm. a pop punk band. Yeah, that is overkill. But there are there are bands which have definitely transitioned away from being. So they started off as being like proper like post two thousands pop punk band. Their first record. Is so bad they don't even play it anymore. Uh, they're set, they're setting down. Uh, At least they're aware of it. Yeah, they are very very aware <laughs> of it. I think that there was a, there was a lot of clamouring for them to re-release it, and they did it like under extreme duress. But I really like, hope somebody actually don't su- play this. somebody suggests this. I suppose I hope we do one eventually, which is bands that did an album that they disowned. Yeah, we should definitely <laughs> do that at some point. That'd be good. And then they did uh, the upsides, which is pretty decent. And then they did uh, a trilogy of records, which is kind of, they're all thematically linked. First one's Suburbia. Suburbia, I've given you all and now I'm nothing. Which is uh, actually based on Alan Ginsberg's poem America, uh, which is as wanky as it sounds, but it's a really good record. <laughs> and then he followed up with The Greatest Generation and No Closer to Heaven, which are 3D records that are really, really good. And it sees them progressively moving away from being a pop punk band and kind of being more of a rock band, just a general straight up rock band. For me, that's a really strong... I mean, those, those three records are, like, neck and neck in terms of which one I think is the best. I don't think I'd actually choose one. They've all got, all got strengths and weaknesses, which oddly complement each other. So they fill in the gaps of what was maybe missing from the record before can be found in the record afterwards. Also, tour like fuck, man. Like, they're on the road, like, all the time. I don't know how they find the time to write records because they're always touring. Yeah, that's, that's one that popped into my mind right after Jimmy World's um, again in the punk vein all the stuff that we've already covered against me the first three re- albums are really really good first four records are actually brilliant it's a good good four record run um, POS he's still punk in my eyes uh, Audition Never Better and uh, We Don't Even Live Here Run The Jewels Run The Jewels as well where yeah. that's who I was going on to next mm. those are three absolute fucking classic records I, it, I need to see it I take it never fake it rap motherfuckers up Get the true runners, top tag team for two summers. Living, let Leah fuck you, cuz, cuz that's a fool's honor. I'm walking tote and on two llamas. You niggas. Given the amount of time they spent between writing those records, recording them, and how much they've been touring, it's, it's staggering to think about they could be that productive, especially like when we said in the LP episode, particularly LP. Anyway, like he'd released four records in the past, like. 15 years before that and then he's released three and six and toured a fuckload with Killer Mike mm-hmm. you know that's a really deep vein of creativity that they've, they've kind of found there yeah I'm kind of fishing through some of the ones we've done uh, I don't I think Tori Amos mm, she doesn't really tend to nail three in a row uh, uh, Blonde Redhead have three great records but again I think they're, they're not all back to back and mm, mm, it's a tricky one well, Portishead, fucking hell, what am I talking about? Portishead's first mm-hmm. three, uh, three albums are... Only three albums, yeah. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. Outstanding, yeah. They, they'd be a really, really obvious choice, actually, if I was thinking about it. Uh, other ones, that uh, Jesus Lizard. And the thing with Jesus Lizard is they've got five great records in a row. Uh, from, what is it, Goat? I'm trying to do it chronologically. Goat. Liar Down Shot Ben Blue uh, The last two Being on Capital uh, The Jesus Lizard Were fucking amazing Consistently amazing uh, Even the later stuff Like Blue Gets a, a lot of Sniffy looks Shot got a few sniffy looks actually because it was on Capital. Certainly, Albini refused to work with them from that point. But Shot and Blue are both are, are both great records. Shot especially. Shot mm-hmm. is outstandingly good. Mm-hmm. 
And for hit points, mm-hmm. a go-to band for me, Electric Electric, the French band, uh, their first record, Sad City's Hand Clappers, which is much more band-like, much more conventional. Much more band-like, much more conventional, mainly instrumental, quite experimental in places. Uh, their second album, Discipline, which is their best, an absolutely astonishing achievement from an underground band. we will absolutely cover at some point mm-hmm. uh, and then the third album just you know Roman Numerals 3 which is a really esoteric but incredibly rewarding record like quite a hard listen at first especially for people that were familiar with Sad City's Hand Clappers really very rarely kicks into anything like the riffs or it's quite inaccessible it's got a bit of a kiddie feel to it in that sense it's like what the fuck these guys are really going off at an angle here but the longer you listen to it uh, the, the more you get from it and it's 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 an overall experience as well you can't really dip in and out of it you have to put it on and get into it but there's a lot in there a lot of chewing but it's, it's yeah really rewarding so it kind of brought me down to two it kind of left me with two. Do you have anything to add? Because I'm kind of torn between these two. I don't really know what one I prefer. I have two to add, and one which we'll probably end on, um, because you know who it is. <laughs> but this, this other one uh, has, has actually hit the six in a row, and it's The Boss. No way. Yeah, The Boss. Born, to, born to Run, Darkness on the Edge of Town, The River, Nebraska, Born in the USA, and Turtle of Love. That's 10 years of just absolute fucking gold. That's... Un- I don't own any of them. Unbelievable. Born to Run is... How good can they be if I don't own them? Oh, how many, how many Bruce Springsteen records do you own? How, uh, exactly none. You listen, <laughs> nobody, nobody rates Bruce Springsteen. Everybody just goes to those shows for a day out with their family. I fucking love Bruce Springsteen. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, it, it, it just covers so much ground thematically, musically, on, on those records. It's only when you kind of sit back and, and do something like this, you, you start to realise that, hang on, those records are written, like, one after the other. That's, I mean, that's a hugely impressive feat. Mm. And Certainly Nebraska stands out, because I've spent more time with that one. At least for a little while, sir, in her had um, Nebraska is a, is a phenomenal record. The one before that was The River, which is double disc. And he's definitely seen him move towards the Nebraska themes in that. And I'm born in the USA. Yeah, it's the big rock record. It's the big massive multi-platinum selling breakthrough album but it's it does exactly what it's set up to do and it does exactly what it fucking says in the tin mm-hmm. it just has good rock songs uh, shout out from recent memory 80's Matchbox Beal and Disaster their three albums are really good mm-hmm. um, but the two that I got kind of caught up on and I'll probably opt for this order so second to my second choice for me would be PJ Harvey mm-hmm. but the period uh, a lot of people would put probably dry rid of me I I like that stuff, but it doesn't have nearly the yield that I get from a, To Bring You My Love, Is This Desire, and then Stories From The City, Stories From The Sea. To Bring You My Love is so odd as a record uh, especially coming off the back of Rid of Me 
this kind of big Albini roomy rock record, this fucking strip back music, really all about the dynamics, all about the performance. And then to go into To Bring You My Love, where it all becomes about the production and everything changes song to song and some of it's really fucking weird. I lost my heart. Then it is this desire and tracks like the river. I mean, it's a really, really esoteric, ambitious period of her career. She took a lot of chances because she was doing really well, rising, and then took this deviation where it became very artistically pure and sort of demanding of her audience and and it's fucking wonderful and then the payoff at the back of that is that she brought out what's probably her overall strongest record in Stories from the City Stories from the Sea Speak to us Send us a sign Just give us something To keep us trying Multiple prize winning album absolutely littered with great songs and great singles uh, I think those those three records in a row are what set her up to be that sort of unimpeachably brilliant name in the sort of vein of Nick Cave, Tom Waits you know she's in with that kind of tier of musician now as a result of taking those chances um, but my number one choice would be Fugazi mm-hmm. the last three Fugazi albums Red Medicine, End Hits and The Argument now, Fugazi's early uh, catalogue is great, but Fugazi, again, started taking real chances from Red Medicine onwards for me. There were hints of it earlier on, but Red Medicine is just fucking brilliant. followed it with end hits which is even more unusual and brilliantly uh, realised and then the argument is just one of the best records I've ever owned it's it's all the things that we're getting at and that plus a bit of maturity and maybe a little bit of like older cynicism and you know dropping the pace a little bit at points and I just think those three records in a row are as good as it gets certainly for an alternative band well, for me, it's Prince, obviously. So oh, that's where we end. Cannot believe. Yeah. Cannot believe that was going to happen. <laughs> eh? um, early to mid 80s, really, that's the thing. Like, uh, Dirty Minds is a pretty good record. You're thinking this guy can write some good tunes And you've got Controversy 1999 and then Purple Rain Can we call it Controversy? Controversy if you want <laughs> Controversy contro- yeah. Controversy Controversy, controversy. Yeah. Um, And those are just I mean a lot of the cracking songs That he did have come from those albums Like Don't You Mind When You Were Mine song Dirty Mind oh when you were mine the Cindy Loper yep. version of that song mm-hmm. is the gush Uptown is on that and uh, Controversy has got Controversy Do Me Baby which is great too Um, 
I don't know what I need to say too much more. Mm-hmm. That song's brilliant. It's got a little red curvy on it. It's got Delirious on it. It's got something from the world does not compute. International lover. And then Purple Rain's Purple Rain. <laughs> International lover. Fuck me, man. You fucking <laughs> you knew what he was doing, man. <laughs> <laughs> and then I suppose you could argue that there's like, he then came close to it a few times. You know, he had uh, Parade and Sign of the Times in the late 80s. And then it was Love Sexy after that, which is not so good. Um, and you had Diamonds and Pearls and Love Symbol early 90s. Some of his newer stuff as well was pretty cool. I thought hit and run phase one, phase two, pretty interesting for what he did. Artificial age, picked him out from, you know, also kind of decent records. But he could, he, the most frustrating thing about being a Prince fan is that he always knew it was there, that he could do it, and he just never did it ever again after the 80s, you know, like having like just a string of absolute like classic songs. He could never pull it together, which is. He didn't need to though. I think as well, when you're that big, you can start to be complacent and take chances. And the problem is that. I, unless you're, I'd say probably very lucky, a lot of those chances might still be artistically great, but just not click as a completely classic album. Mm. A lot of the ones we're talking about take a lot of chances. The Godspeed stuff, uh, Silver Mount Zion stuff, they take chances that are still at points wonderful and maybe even at points as good as or better than some of the other points. But about consistency as a classic album, the yeah, they're experimenting more, so the, the likelihood of getting to that number three is less, I would say. I'm surprised nobody mentioned Mogwai. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Mogwai. Um, first two albums, I don't think. Yeah, uh, Ten Rapid, no. Young Team, Cody, yes. Then, no. I mean, I'm, I'm not convinced. I th- they've got so many good records and, or, and so many great moments. But again, I mean, it's no shame being in the same category as Interpol and Godspeed Black yeah, Emperor, Arcade Fire and, you know, Bad Religion, all these other great bands. They've taken some chances and I don't think they've always necessarily panned out. By the way, that's just my opinion. A lot of people love things like Happy Songs and stuff, so I'm sure some people would say Mogwai have got seven or eight great records in a row. Mm-hmm. But they're wrong. Okay. All right, let's take a, let's take a break. See what David's got to say, and we'll come back with part two of the seven inch. 